Welcome to the inaugural edition of the Wavelength Podcast, celebrating Waverley College and its students, past and present. And joining me in the studio is Craig Bush-Markham, class of 1990. G'day, Craig. G'day, Yags. Great to be here. And uh, look, this is a great initiative from the school. And Motor class of 1990, I'm very proud to sit next to you, class of 91, and talk all things Waverley College, past, present and future. Indeed, and in the spirit of innovation, uh, the the podcast concept uh, helps us reach out to more old boys globally, and uh, we're very excited about this. Yeah, I think it's a great way to connect, and, and let's not forget the uh, the printed version of the the uh, the wavelength uh, magazine. You know, comes out every six months, and you know, there's so much in there, and we're going to take the opportunity over the next twenty six weeks to really pull some great stories out of there, talk to some great former Wavelians, honour those who've passed many different things. And of course, uh, brought to everyone by Radio Hub and sponsored by the Waverley College Old Boys Union. Yeah, you can't do much about those old boys. I mean, they put their hand in their pocket. We've got a great network, Waves, and uh, you know we see them down at Queens Park. We see them at the uh, you know the music festivals. We see them in the basketball courts. We see the May Day procession. It's great to be an old boy. It sure is. Now, Bush, on today's show, we will be uh, interviewing Grant Hyde from the class of '86, talking to him about his uh, latest novel. Uh, we'll also, as part of the obituary section, of course, uh, in the printed version, there's a, a comprehensive list of uh, Waverlians who have passed recently. But we'll be speaking with Bill Healy, uh, a Waverlian from the class of 72, about his great mate Des O'Reilly. We're also going to look at some reunions coming up, a bit of an around the grounds with the old boys. And of course, the new Technical Applied Sciences building at the college uh, is opening in November by His Excellency Sir Peter Cosgrove in the building named in his honour. You're listening to the Wavelength Podcast, proudly brought to you by Radio Hub and sponsored by our Old Boys Union. Radio Hub is Australia's premier podcasting facility. With high-quality sound equipment and production services, Radio Hub is a one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. So, if you're ready to jump into the exciting realm of podcasting, contact Radio Hub on 0402 870900 or email info at au. Well, Yags, on the line, we've got a former Waverlian, of course, uh, Grant Hyde. He's a literary artist. We talk about him. He's a great sportsman. He's one of my former coaches, big influence. He's from the class of 1986, and uh, it was full of characters in 86, and I think every year is full of characters at Waverley. But it's a great pleasure to have him on the line for the Wavelength podcast. Grant, are you there with us? Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me along. It's uh, good to have a chat to all the ex-Wave Earlians out there. There's some fine specimens that, in that radio room, I believe. Yeah, well, there's three Waverley College men in here, and there's only room for four of us. It's a big space. Yeah. And that's a just... wasted uh, school fees there, too, I think. Uh, yeah, look, that's debatable. But I tell you what, we've got some back, too. I'm glad to hear, boys. Now, uh, Grant, we're going to hop straight in. I mean, I'm um, here with Michael Yeager, of course. He's the current president of Old Boys Union, class of 1991. Uh, you know, a lot of... Echoing in here, I've got uh, our producer in the background who's got nothing to say on Mike Cooper Silk, both former hookers and yourself. It's a treble of hookers here today. They're the smart guys, see? We're screaming at the big fellas, yeah, bossing them around. That's the one, the bosses. Heidi, back at Waverley College, let's talk about your influences. You know, you've moved into creative writing, you've moved into writing your own novels. You're into your third. Where did it all begin? Mate, I, I had a knack for it. I had a, a special knack for the arts to a certain degree. I could draw, I could paint, I could, I could do ceramics, but... Um, I could also write a good yarn, and uh, it probably wasn't punctuated too well, nor the spelling was very accurate. But uh, I could actually get a good story out, and um, I didn't, ha- I didn't, I didn't do it tough doing it. That uh, was just in me, and 
meeting all my relatives recently, there's a lot of them in New Zealanders. They're, they're all storytellers themselves. I can see where it's in the hide gene, I think. But uh, just the fact that we had uh, spell check and computers and Wikipedia that helped me sort of probably pump, pump a couple of books out. So Heidi, um, tell us about Mr. Roberts, who's your English teacher. Yeah, I had Mr. Roberts two years in a row, nine and ten, and, and he really he really uh, shone the light on my my uh, creative writing. He spotted me early. We got on well. I liked him. He was he was he was pretty ruthless too. He didn't muck, cop any mucking around in there. So so a lot was done in class. So uh, I uh, I remember writing a poem for him once. We had to write poems, and I stole it from the back of a Barry Manilow record. I moved him to tears. Where there was about weekend father and son. You know, weekend to explore, a weekend, you know, alone forever. And he was from a divorced family and had, had busted him up. That And uh, I was pretty happy with the mark I got. But when he wanted to enter it into a, uh, a national competition, I got a bit nervous. Uh, any Barry Manilow lovers out there might have picked that up. But um, blokes yeah, like him especially, he, he really uh, he, he saw it in me and, and he... And he made me work on it and I got better at it. Heidi, um, you talk about Mr. Roberts being ruthless. When you talk about ruthless at Waverley College and great influences, immediately my mind draws to the great Brian Sheedy, the measure of all men. So if you had to flicker against and measure Mr. Roberts against the great Brian Sheedy, how would he measure up out of 10? Mate, he had a, he had a, he had a different streak in him. It turn on you like a, a cut snake. Sheedy was just an ominous sort of presence there ready to pull pull that child out and drag the man out within, you know. But uh, I still see Mr. Sheedy around. He's still massive. You know, he was a body... He was a power lifter at one stage as a young man. But I still see him around. He's he's he's, he's a big fella still. But, um, yeah, Sheedy, Sheedy was a maker of men. I think uh, Mr. Roberts was a... was a... was a... Uh, a, a maker of, of artists and writers, I think. Yeah, it was very, very different between the two. But, you know what, they both did their job perfectly for us young imbeciles that we were, especially in year nine and Abs- ten. Absolutely. She was 11. So it was 11 when, you know, when the fl- the switch was flicked and we turned into men. Well, Sheedy was there to ensure that the switch stayed flicked. Mo- moving on from, from English and, and, and writing, now rugby league and, and rugby union. You know, Whaley's a union school, but your two loves are rugby league and uh, and rugby union. Tell us about that. I had a great time playing Ra Ra at Waverley. Good time. The thing was, I just wasn't that big. So they wanted to get me up to about 100 kilos, and that would have got me a little bit chubby. And pretty much I was playing football and training for the girls mainly, and 100 kilos didn't sit on me too well. So uh, playing at 83 or 4 in rugby league suited me a lot better. But yeah, it was pretty much body shape for me that determined what I played. My old man was a league player, played with the Roosters as well. But um, he was a bit bigger than me. But yeah, there was. I, I just and I, like I said to you earlier, I had a skinny neck, and they had me in a hooker, and uh, I didn't really like that too much. I, uh, I enjoyed. I enjoyed. Um, enjoyed being able to run around without uh, having too many neck injuries. Heidi, we talked off air and talked about the influence of the sport at Waverley and then wearing the double V. And you know, you, you say through the greatest lessons that you learnt were how to deal with victory, defeat, and pain. And uh, can you just elaborate on that? Yeah, it's young young men need to be taught it. Young men need men teachers for a start, and they need to be taught how to lose and how to win and cop a bit of pain in your life too. And I, I mean physical pain, not beatings uh, that we uh, you know the strap and that that yeah. that was that was minor pain. But yeah, the the pain of getting injured and playing rugby and, and having to play injured and 
yeah, when I say injured, like a cork's eye or something, you know, yeah. but um, just having to push through the pain, it, it actually turns you into a better man, you know. Some blokes have never experienced pain, and, and you can see them in their lives, they're, uh, they're just a little bit less of a man. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bit harsh. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? No, you I know, know where you're coming from. We, we certainly yeah. know where you're coming from, and I think, you know, these days is probably, um, you know, a lot more focus on maybe not having that contact or having that ability. And there's people that, you know, going to the beautiful thing about our school, you know, you can go down there and then some students are working out of that amazing uh, kitchen, Michael, in the, um, in the, the TAS Technic- building. Yeah, the yeah. new TAS building. And, and you know what? The, the pain of, uh, of not making the right latte or the pain of uh, getting the coffee wrong can be equal to what it's you suffer in the footy field. No, but that's, that's an old school. It's really an old school sort of. Um, sort of the philosophy. My old man was born in 1929. Yep. So he had a real old school philosophy. You know, like a man was a man, and a, you know, you suffer, you know, get up, son, it's only pain, and push through it, and all that sort of thing. And it makes you a better person, but you know, it also doesn't define you. you know, I don't think I'm some sort of buffhead, but you know, I think it, uh, it helped me dealing with you know, dealing with life because life's pretty ruthless out there. Sure is. And yeah. Heidi, so so now now to your first book, uh, Returning from Tonga, uh, your, your first novel, Lords of the Pacific. Yeah, I had a bit of a stint over in Tonga for a few. I was going for a couple of weeks. Helped my mate do a Renault's on his pub over there. One of the old the Tongan boys, and I stayed for six months. I couldn't leave. It was uh, it was very blissful over there. You know, the days just roll into one. And six months later, I said, I better get home and get back into life. But on, the, on my return, I was filled with all these stories of the of the mighty Pacific and the and the Polynesian warrior and you know, first contact of the white man or the Palangi as they called them. Palangi meant explosion from heaven, so I was in reference to their guns. So I uh, I was blown away by all this, and I said, "They make a great story." And have a look at the internet. There wasn't much out there, you know. And, and they got a warrior mentality. Like uh, I yes. had a game over there. I was. Uh, Nearly 30, I was the only white fella in the two teams. I was going to say, uh, that uh, skills at Waverley College learnt would have taught you the ability to get in that side because to talk yourself into the Tongan national team is a pretty big influence in front <laughs> no, of the King of Tonga. No, we played the national team, but I was the only white fella there. As the King's son walked along the line shaking hands, he sort of stopped at me and balked. He went, is this poor bugger in the right place? He's skinny little white fella about to play these giants, but um, yeah, it's not all about size, is it? Craig, you know that, mate. And that's for sure. So, yeah, Heidi, uh, da- Daniel's destiny now, that's that's what you're working on. Mate, I've, I've been working hard on it, and it's it put me out of my comfort zone. It's much more um, mainstream, and that means much more female-friendly in regards to less violence and a, a, a nicer story and a bit of a love story, which has come out really well. So it took me a fair few years, actually, to sort of switch over. I had to get in the head of a teenage girl, you know, but um, yeah, that's, hard. that's easier said than done. And everyone said, can't your wife help you? I said, my wife's just as, she's more ruthless than me. She's, she's a businesswoman. <laughs> so, but now it got done, and, and it's with uh, an editor, independent editor now, having a bit of a read of it to see if there's any changes needed. And if there is, um, I'll have to rip in again, but... So I'm Heidi, sort of chopped, the, chopped the fair bit out of it. Yeah, of course. Mate, you've had Lords of the Pacific published. You've had your second novel, Islands of Gold, published. You're now in the middle of writing Daniel's Destiny, which, you know, takes us through uh, Sydney's early colony, uh, musket wars of New Zealand, Tonga, and the mighty Pacific. How hard is it for a kid from Waverley College who, you know, put put his life into sport and, and other things to just sort of pick up a pen and paper after being influenced from uh, the islands of the Pacific island of Tonga 
and then get himself to put all those words on paper, tell a great story, and get published. Yeah, it's a, you know what? It's, it was a bit of luck. You've got to have a bit of luck, as, as they always say. And one of my best mates, uh, he's my actually my daughter's godfather, Sam DeBrito. He's a, he's a Waverley boy, ex-Waverley boy. He God passed last year. Tragic circumstances. And so uh, it was pretty devastating to lose Sam. Well, he was sitting in a in a writer's function one night and uh, sitting next to one of Australia's leading leading uh, the literary agent, Selwyn Anthony, and they got talking, and he said, I've got someone for you, and that's how it works. Now I train Selwa twice a week. She's a machine. You should see the muscles on her. So, Heidi, um, friendship's obviously uh, uh, an important part of, of, of your memory of uh, Waverley. Uh, what, what's your fondest memory? The fondest memory? Oh, I have to be walking down to footy training on a on a Monday afternoon from school, wouldn't it? That's one of the highlights there. And the boys, a bit of anarchy football down the back. That was always good fun. Yeah, there was uh, there was no rules. The laughter in class. We had some classics in class. We had some fools and imbeciles. I saw at our thirty reunion last month, and everyone. You know, it's funny. No one changes. We're all the same blokes hung with the same blokes, and we said hello to all the other mob. But pretty much, you stick to your own group. And we had a really good night. Yeah, without so, naming yeah. names, can you just bounce off a few uh, names of class of '86 that were those great characters that we all know? Oh, Benny Doyle, of course. He was there, uh, and. Yes. Uh, yeah, Johnny Mack, Johnny Mack and Crow, he's, a, he's an enigma around the Bondi area. And Anthony Ellison, he was a gun surfer. And and uh, Andrew Kakarovich was our school captain. He's now a uh, fixture down at the... Um, the Bergs. Uh, Icebergs, yeah. Yeah, he's a specimen, Kakarovich. Um, who else? Uh, Justin Melby. He was a, he, turned, he went on to be a uh, an actor in um, Young and the Restless, I think, or Young, Young Doctors or something like that. And Mel's went on this modelling. He did Australian Survivor. Sam DeBrito, of course, I mentioned. Um, he was uh, with the Sydney Morning Herald with his, with his blog, one of the best blogs around at this time, um, All Men Are Lies. So he was, he was a very uh, very good journalist. There's a stack of blokes. There's a lot of blokes that do, you know, that I, I don't know too well, but I, I read the wavelength the other day and there was a couple of boys from my form there working hard in um, various areas. So... Seems most of the blokes that come out of there all sort of kick a bit of a goal, and I think Waverley prepares them well for the world out there, especially back in '86. Yeah, it's a, it made it's a great year to go through, and I suppose it's uh, some fond memories. Well, Heidi, you've done amazing for yourself. We are right behind you here at our Waverley podcast. We're going to keep up to date with what's happening with Daniel's Destiny and get it out through our Waverley College network. Really appreciate your time and uh, great thoughts and memories. And Yags, what a great way to reminisce. Absolutely, and uh, no doubt we'll see you at some of the home games down at Queen's Park next year. Definitely, mate. Yeah, we had a big welcome to the country there with my Indigenous business partner uh, just recently, the first CAS game. So yeah, Tim Eller. That yeah. went really well. Yeah, Timmy Eller's one of my old nemesis on the football field, but we're now mates and run a business together. And Heidi, just quickly, yeah. you're doing K-Do Tours for any of our Waverlians yeah, out there that want to get in touch with our better history? Yeah, do a lot of schools and um, and tourists and such, and it's going really well. I did a Whitefella history, it's sort of jumped out from the books and Tim Tim's a fantastic indigenous guide. He's one of the Ella brothers, the youngest, but um he's pretty much much more traditional than the other boys. Yep. He knows all his culture. So it's been going really well. So yeah, we were down there for the first CAS and I will come down and watch others of course. Yep. Um good bunch of kids too this year. We we met most of them. So Well I'll tell you what we're gonna do for you, Heidi as a fellow wave earlier now networks uh you know sends out strong. I'm gonna get in touch with the guys at Radio Hub, Cooper Silk and uh and Bush 
or Silky and Bush, and I'm going to talk to him about doing a bit of a Kadu Tours podcast so people can have a bit of an interactive listening experience and learning about both cultures. We loved having you on, and we want to thank you so much for your time uh, today on Wavelength Podcast. Good on you, boys. Thanks for having me along. Good to talk to you, Heidi. All the best. Well, there you have it, Yakes. Uh, outstanding. He was uh, Grant Hyde. It was fantastic to be able to interview him and uh, you know get some real insights into his time at the college and, and what he's done. And it just goes to show all Wavelians. I know Heidi very well. Um, he was a few years older than me and a big influence on myself, if you will, in, in, in football terms. He coached me and it's amazing. You know, I didn't realise he had that in him till he wrote his first book and neither did the, the boys think. And there's a lot of characters at Waverley. And just shows you the, the diversity too uh, in, in terms of the, the students and, uh, and life at the college. Yep, and the opportunities. So you're listening to the Wavelength Podcast here with Michael Yeager and, of course, Craig Markham, class of 1991, Yakes, and uh, great to be here. Welcome back to the Wavelength Podcast. And Yags, as mentioned earlier, we've got some great interviews on today. And it was terrific to uh, talk to Grant Hyde about uh, you know, his literary uh, time in writing a new book. But this next one's a bit special for us as a Waverly family because we're talking to Bill Healy from the class of 1972 about one of our former wonderful Waverlians in Des O'Reilly. Bill, of course, uh, you know, went to school with Des. He's himself a player, coach, administrator and office holder at the Sydney Roosters. He was my, one of my first rep coaches and a huge influence on people within the East. But there's no one better to talk and honour Des than, of course, Bill himself. Bill, you're with us. Yes, Craig. It's great to be here. Yeah, I just want to thank you very much for coming on our inaugural Wavelength podcast. Billy, can we just talk to you about your time at Waverley College? I mean, we are going to honour Des here, but what was your experience at Waverley and what, what are your thoughts? Well, I was part of a group of students, about 20 students that uh, arrived in Waverley in 1971 from Christian Brothers Bondi and uh, we uh, blended very easily into uh, that year. We had a lot of existing friends. Uh, We were well accepted and uh, I have to say from a personal uh, experience, uh, I found it um, very important for me as a person because I mix with a broad cross-section of people from judges, professors, right down to, um, you know, guys that were, were working in, you know, pretty mundane jobs. So it really, uh, for me, typified the, the whole essence of what Waverley was about was it gave you an opportunity to meet uh, all cross-sections of the community and I think it made me a much better person. Yeah. Bill, you went on to, uh, you know, play at the Roosters yourself. You know, you're an administrator there. You're one of my coaches as a junior rep. You're an office holder and a director, uh, you know, on the board there for such a long time. It's an amazing um, foundation that Waverley College brings in you to achieve that. It must have been an amazing achievement in your own life. Well, I think people forget just how important Waverley College has been in the history of the Roosters. I mean, um, Dave Brown, Ray Steer... Uh, Luke Rickardson, uh, Ryan Cross, and, of course, the guy we're talking about today, uh, Des O'Reilly. But there was a whole host of players um, who played football in the eastern suburbs, went to Waverley College and subsequently played for the Roosters. So um, the importance of Waverley College in the history of the Roosters is, I think, uh, one of those hidden secrets that need to be explored and that would be a great... um, uh, of history, I think that if someone sat down and tried to uh, write a book about it, Craig, because sure. we have played a significant uh, role in the whole success structure of the history of the Roosters. So, uh, so Bill, moving moving on to, to Des, of course, uh, uh, we're celebrating him as a, a former Waverlian. 
Of course, he, he wasn't just a good footy player. He excelled at swimming. Well, Des was, Des was one of those guys that could do anything. I mean, Des and I um, were in year two at Waverley uh, at St Anne's Bondi, and then we went to Christian Brothers Bondi, and there was he was one of those 20 guys. He could swim. Uh, he was uh, intellectually one of the brightest guys I've ever met, um, and that showed in his subsequent results. He was fourth in the year in the uh, class of 72, and rugby league uh, was his passion, but uh, he went and played two years in the first 15 and, ele- and was selected in the CAS sides uh, in both those years. He probably should have played CAS first in the 1972 side, but because the, the team needed him to play number eight instead of play second row, he probably lost out on that opportunity to be an Australian schoolboy, and that was to me, a reflection of Des. He always put the team in front of uh, his own personal um, uh, ambitions. Of course. And uh, in, in the spirit of producing uh, all-rounders, uh, Des went on to, to study honours in electrical engineering and, uh, and and attain a science degree with honours. Yeah, he did. And, uh, and this was a time when people didn't tend to do joint degrees. Uh, he... he he built. Uh, he went on to do electrical engineering, but he did additional subjects, which gave him the science degree. Um, you know, interestingly, the the fascinating thing about Dad, the first year at uni, he also decided that he would go on a trip across India, across Africa, up to Morocco wow. um, as part during his holidays. And in the second year of his um, studies, during the long university break he went to South America and one of the great um, one of my great memories of Des was when I got a uh, a letter back from him saying that he'd been caught between a um, firefight between the police and the army in Peru because um, the second year he went off to South America so Des was uh, a great adventurer um, as well as um, a great intellect and a great sportsman. Well, Bill, there's no one more qualified than yourself to talk about Des's time at the Roosters. We talked a bit earlier in the interview about the great synergy between the Waverlian and the Sydney Rooster, and you mentioned some uh, you know names more more recent, such as Lugricks and Ryan Cross, just to name a couple. But uh, Des was part of that famous 1975 grand final side, 38-0 versus the Dragons. And uh, it was a great day for the Roosters. He went on to play 127 games, and you would have been there. I certainly was. At that stage, I, unfortunately, I got greater the next year. But um, I think Des, with hindsight, would have liked to have been played a few more minutes. I mean, I think it showed a lot about Jack uh, Gibson that uh, when the game uh, got towards the end, that he sent Des and Bunny Riley, who was injured at the time, onto the field to at least get some game time. And I think that said a lot about Jack that he acknowledged Des's contribution to the team over the course of the year. And, and Jack was very much that sort of person. He he was making a statement at that point that Des deserved. Um, and, um, you know, Des was a, was a Jack Gibson sort of player. He... You know, a lot of people would say to me, oh, Des wasn't flashy. Well, Des didn't miss tackles. He didn't drop the ball. He hit like a sledgehammer. Well, you know, if you talk to anyone who ever got tackled by Des O'Reilly, they will tell you that they remember it to this day. 
Um, and um, he was a perfect example of what Jack looked for in a great player. And, you know, I was so thrilled for him that he got the opportunity to play that day. Of course, uh, of course, Craig, another one of our classmates also played that day in Johnny Reinberger. So it uh, said a bit about Waverley College that day that two of our class played in that green form. Yeah, we're going to write that book. Well, Bill, um, of course, uh, we're talking about the great Des O'Reilly. Um, you know, he died at the age 61 way, way too soon. But we really appreciate your time in uh, talking to us about, about your good friend and your, and your times at Waverley College. Thanks, and I, I, I hope people appreciate that he was an extremely uh, special person. The way he endured 10 years of extremely serious illness probably was his greatest um, triumph that most people would have rolled over and curled up and died. Desi had 10 years of um, a lot of pain, but he always said to me that to be able to see his grandchildren uh, was made it all worthwhile, and I think that reflects the sort of guy uh, that we all uh, came to love and appreciate and respect. Yeah, and I'm sure one of his great honours was having that great class of 72, such as yourself, Bill. We want to thank you so much for your time on our initial Wavelength podcast, and we wish you the best in the future, and we no doubt talking to you again soon. So as with all Wavelength publications, there's a comprehensive list of obituaries, and in the current edition, uh, it includes the passing of brother Kevin Kerwin, who was the headmaster of the college, 75 through to 78. Wow, there's some, uh, some big names in there, Yags, of course. And uh, Father Peter McGrath, who was uh, a very popular parish priest down at St. Joseph's Edgecliffe and at St. Francis of Assisi, Paddington. But also, Bush, uh, I noticed uh, your father, James Markham, uh, from the class of 55. He was, yeah. He was a very proud Waverlian and uh, president of the Old Boys Union himself, uh, former mayor of Waverley, so... Took a lot of lessons out of the school, and uh, Brother Tevlin um, got my father to a uh, science. He won the science award, and uh, he, you know, gave him additional uh, study on on weekends, and really helped him. And uh, he wanted to become a doctor, and saw blood, become a lawyer instead. And fair enough. And of course, our, our condolences to all those who have had uh, someone pass. And for a full list of obituaries, please refer to the Wavelength magazine. And uh, our uh, our thoughts and prayers go to you. Are you celebrating a reunion in 2017? The Old Boys Union is here to help. The College and Old Boys Union can provide class lists and credit card facilities to allow for prepayment of attendances and collection of attendees' names. For more information, contact Robin Moore on 9369 or email wcobu.com.au. Well, Yags, it's, uh, it's been a great podcast and two wonderful interviews with uh, Grant Hyde and, of course, Bill Healy honouring the great Desiree. But there's some other great news at the school that I think we should let our listeners know about uh, you know, this, uh, this month, and that is the Cosgrove Centre that's being opened up, which is just unbelievable. That's right, Bush. So the Technical Applied Sciences Building, uh, part of the, uh, the, the capital works at the college recently, uh, being named after His Excellency Sir Peter Cosgrove, uh, esteemed old boy of, of the college. Yeah, look, it's, it's amazing. I went down and, uh, as I said to you, my young fella is uh, now playing basketball at the gym there and just right next door is the, the facilities for the kids to do uh, you know, lots of cooking and, and different facilities and, and function. I was doing some audio-visual and lots of great stuff out of the TAS. So it's going to be exciting to have uh, His Excellency Sir Peter Cosgrove open that up. 
That's right. So, you know, the college has been embracing innovation uh, with a great many changes and it's all about enhancing the learning of our students. The new TAS building uh, and the redeveloped Brother Lacey Gym have been operational since June this year, so the, the kids are already in it. Yeah, which is fantastic. I know that outside they've got a fantastic undercover all-weather basketball court as well, so we don't miss any games anymore due to weather. That's right, and the new gym has been uh, revamped so that it can actually uh, accommodate the entire school, up to 1,800 people, for uh, a full school assembly. Yeah, which is great. And I noticed they've got some really good uh, modern technology up there. They've got two huge screens and uh, interactive uh, sort of environments, so they can also hold concerts, festivals. Yeah, full Bose sound system. And uh, the, the, the final thing to mention is the Carrington Road entrance to the college has been completely revamped. The old uh, historical Grange building uh, brought up to speed and uh, looking fantastic as uh, you know, the, uh, the Carrington Road entrance for the, for the college. It's funny, I drove past last night with the Godson, also a current wave early, and I said, gee, they've changed the entry here, and it just looks magnificent. Now, two things that are close to your heart, and uh, one is the reunions. Uh, you've got one coming up uh, for yourselves, and there's a, a couple more you'd like to mention? That's right. So the, the class of 91 having a reunion on uh, the 26th of November down at the Royal Oak, Double Bay. So that's our 25-year reunion. Is it coincidental it's owned by a couple of Wavellians and run by one great Wavellian, Pete Tate? That's right. He's the, uh, he's the manager down there, so hopefully he'll look after us. Yeah, licensee, I think, is a better term for old Pete. Uh, he's a bit of a big wig and he flies in some great circles. Uh, mate, speaking of great things at the college, Old Boys. Now, you're the, uh, the current president of the Old Boys Union. What's happening in, in the way of the Old Boys and fundraising and building funds and events and, and what have you? Well, this year we had our, our second run at the annual muster. So every June long weekend at the Harold Park Hotel, Will Ryan, the publican, old boy, um, had a, a great turnout in the first two years. We, we hope that becomes an annual fixture. The other thing we've been doing is um, doing more work down at Queen's Park for home games. And uh, this year we had a, um, a, a, an acknowledgement of country, a welcome to country ceremony yes. to, to kick the season off. And then we had a, a back to Waverley Day for the final home game where uh, we had a, a tremendous number of old boys come down and a, a few uh, uh, impromptu reunions uh, run off the back of that. So uh, that, that's terrific and we hope to continue and build on that in, into the coming years. You've been listening to the Wavelength Podcast, proudly produced by Radio Hub and brought to you and sponsored by our Old Boys Union. Thanks, Bush, and I look forward to the next one.